0: This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Stewart Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Good morning. All right, let's start this morning with our Scripture Memory Passage Review. If you know 1 Peter 2, 9, and or 10. 1 Peter 2, 9, and or 10. Miss Darla's got it. Miss Amy's got it. Tim? Oh, no, he's just adjusting his chair. It's okay. It's all right. I was hopeful. I was hopeful for a guy. Is that it? Going once, going twice? No. No, you're out today, right. Miss Amy. You want to start?
1: You are a chosen generation, yep. a royal priesthood, yes. a holy nation, yes. His own special people, so that you may proclaim praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into this marvelous life. Isn't that awesome? You were once not a people, you are now the people of God. Yes. Who had not mercy, but now have mercy.
0: The thing just keeps getting better and better and better and better as you go through. It is awesome. Miss Darla, you got it. Awesome. Uh-oh, she's she's refreshing right before. I wonder if I should mess with her as she goes through today. let will see. <laughs> Julie's like, no, you should be quiet.
1: To, back to, the KJV.
0: to the KJV. I did. You probably learned this one a, long time a little while ago, yeah? yeah okay. So when I tried
1: in another version. Yeah, I
0: know. I hear you.
1: Well, you are a chosen generation. Yes a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy.
0: Boom. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Great job. Thank you very much. Now, so today is week five of a fourth part of Gwen Grudem's Systematic Theology. And we are, uh, this is the Christ and the Holy Spirit. So we looked at the doctrine of uh, the Word of God, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of man. We're in Christ and the Holy Spirit. And then in 2016, we will look at the doctrine of, he calls it the application of redemption, which is a really fancy way of saying salvation. Right, And then we'll look at the doctrine of the church and the doctrine of future things probably at the very end of 2016. And then in 2017, we're going to do Romans verse by verse all the way through. So I'm pumped about that. Which means I've got to get through the three sections of systematic theology in 2016. So I've got to, I've got to dare to myself to get that done, which I think we can do that. Should be all right. So today we're looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in your first blank in this chapter, we're looking at the specific work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world. And if and if you, you may feel like the Holy Spirit's getting a, a small amount of air time in the whole study, but we have we did a 8, 10, 12-week study on God and covered a lot of aspects of the Trinity and the, the, the persons of the Trinity and the way God works. This is specifically today the distinctive work of the Holy Spirit. So all the things that the Godhead shares, we have already studied those. These are just the things about uh, the Holy Spirit. So Genesis 1-2. Uh, Genesis 1-2 is where we'll start this morning. And, and I had lunch with a good brother this week, and we were talking about Genesis 1-2. And, uh, and he gave me a line, and it, it just really has been resonating with me uh, since we talked. Uh, so you might know, you might know Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, right? So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what? And was earth was without form and was void. And darkness was on the face of the deep and what? And the Spirit of God... Hovered. Look in your translation. What does your translation say for that word for hovered? Moved over or hovered. Anybody have anything else? You know what it means? It means to hover. (laughs) It's really simple, right? It's to hover over. And and my brother and I, we were talking this week, and he said, uh, and he still hovers. And I love that. I love that. And the thing that I saw as I was studying the Holy Spirit in reading about this the last couple of weeks, is that when the Holy Spirit shows up, you just give it a little bit of time. Here's your next blank. Life comes next. Life comes next. The Holy Spirit comes, and then what happens a couple of days later in Genesis 1? The earth springs forth with life because the Holy Spirit prepares the way for life to occur. And we will see that in so many different ways as we look at uh, this information today. <clears throat> if you fast forward to the New Testament version of life springing forth, I think probably the easy, uh, the easy thing to think about is Pentecost, right? If you think about Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, where Jesus has ascended. We've talked about the ascension. He's gone. And then He sends the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes, and life springs forth. The church is born and explodes in growth. And it's always after a movement of the Holy Spirit. A movement, a hovering, an engagement of the Holy Spirit. Which is why I love Grudem's def. I didn't like his definition the first couple of times I read the chapter. But I liked it after I studied the verses. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God. The Holy Spirit, I think from our perspective, appears to be the most active member of the Trinity, constantly moving and hovering and engaging with us on an ongoing basis. So this is why I picked the word active here. All right, so we're going to look at several different things about the Holy Spirit today, how He empowers, purifies, reveals, and unifies. And then at the end, we're going to look at something that I'm not sure He's worded well, so I want your input on this. And All right, so A, the Holy Spirit empowers. Empowers. E-M-P-O-W-E-R-S. <clears throat> The Holy Spirit empowers. So, who's got Psalm 104:30? Psalm 104. 10... Yes, sir. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. So, so who's the psalmist here? David. David. You sure? You're guessing.
1: It's an educated
0: guess. It's an educated guess. Statistically likely, yeah. That's all right. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And the psalmist says when, when God sends forth His Spirit, what happens? They are created. They are created. What's they? It almost doesn't matter what the they is referring to because life comes forth. Life comes next when the Holy Spirit... It's food... So plant life, vegetation, there's several other passages. Um, I've, so what you guys have in your notes is approximately one-tenth the number of verses that I have in mine. So if you want to really look at, I told Julie this week that I'm pretty sure chapter 30 of Systematic Theology is a rich, dense, five-week series in the study of the Holy Spirit. And she said, you better talk quickly. I said, okay, you should do that. <laughs> So we're just going to brush past some of these. So he gives, so he empowers. He gives life. He gives power for service. Uh, One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. In the whole Bible, Exodus thirty-one. Exodus thirty-one. Does anybody know what's happening in Exodus thirty-one? Moses is a pretty decent guess, right? Pretty decent guess for anything in Exodus and Deuteronomy, right? What's happening in Exodus
1: 31?
0: Something's being constructed. Yeah. So we're, so we're building God's house at this point, right? And, and an interesting thing is that in Exodus 31, verse 3, a guy named Bezalel becomes the very first person documented in Scripture to have the Holy Spirit indwell him. Or empower him for something, and and you would think, all right, the the first person who the Spirit of God rests on, he is going to do some heroic, amazing thing and deliver the people and just perform miracles. And the reality is, that's not at all what Bezalel did. What does Bezalel do here? He makes something. He's an artist. He's an artist. That's exactly right. He is an artist and his his art form is gold. And what Bezalel does is he crafts and he fashions all of the intricate beautiful objects that are going to go into the tabernacle. So all those things that a thousand years later that Nebuchadnezzar steals and values and prizes Bezalel made which I think is just fantastic. What a beautiful application of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that the very first time He shows up as indwelling somebody in the Bible, it's for normal people work. It's not for preaching in front of 100,000 people. It's not for parting the Red Sea. It's not for telling Pharaoh, let my people go. It's, it's for crafting things to be used in the service of God. And I think that is gorgeous. And it's not, just, it's not just him making it. Flip on over to Exodus 35, 34. Because that, that filling of the Holy Spirit didn't just stop with him actually doing something. The Spirit gave him the ability to do something else with it. What else did the Spirit give him the ability to do? To what? To teach. Yeah. Because when you come right down to it, this is a handmade object. Anybody ever made anything with your hands? Like, yes, we're coming up on Christmas time here in a few weeks and we're going to dig out boxes of stuff that some of it was handmade, right? And some of it is very valuable to us because the the story behind this. And I got to think that God knew this stuff's got to last a very long time. Somebody's got to know how to fix it if it ever cracks or it breaks or it needs repair, right? So Bezalel was empowered to teach somebody. What's What's the other guy's name? Good luck on this one. I have no idea. I tried to pronounce it like nine times, and I, I could not get it like the guy on Study Light says it. So it's on the internet. Go Google it, you can figure out how to say that word. I, I got nothing for you there. So he gives life, he gives power for service. Uh, in the New Testament, there's the, the Holy Spirit shows up in a very specific ways in Luke 4, uh, empowering Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, so Luke 4, 18, and 19, who's got that? None of the verses are highlighted on your handout today because we're going to look at all of them. Which means, we got to move. <laughs> so Luke 4, 18 and 19. Yeah. Who's speaking here? Jesus is speaking here, right? He stands up in the synagogue. He stands up in the synagogue and he opens one of the scrolls and he turns to this part of the scroll and then he starts speaking in the first person about a prophecy about the Messiah. And this is what he reads. Go ahead and start again for me.
1: The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.
0: And you know what he does when he finishes that? He sits down. (laughs) It's a literal mic drop. (laughs) I've been looking for one in the New Testament, and I've found it, and Jesus did it. And they all looked at Him like, what's going on? And He said, this day, the Scriptures are fulfilled in your ears and in your eyes. You get to see it and hear it fulfilled because I'm the Messiah. And this is what drove them absolutely crazy. But the Spirit was anointing and empowering Him to do this. And then we know that Acts 1-8, right? The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus' disciples for all kinds of ministries. So Acts one is what? You shall receive, you shall receive power when... After the Holy Spirit comes. After the Holy Spirit comes. He'd given them some power, but when the Holy Spirit comes to indwell in them, this, this all changes. Uh, Revelation twenty two seventeen. Like Turn as, as far right in your Bible as you can. This is the last few verses. It may be the last verse or the next to last verse uh, in your actual Bible. the water of life. So what member of the, the Trinity is mentioned there? Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And who's the bride? The that's us. So we are partnering with the Holy Spirit to have an invitation at the end of the book. I like that. The whole thing ends with an invitation. Hmm. I wonder if that's where we got it. Possibly so. Uh, and then Romans 8.26 uh, Romans 8.26, have, have you ever wanted to pray for something and you start to pray and you go, nope, those aren't the right words. Mm-hmm. And then you back up and you go, All right, I got, nope, that's not the right words either. And then, you, well, I don't <clears> hmm <throat> uh, and you know, as amazingly wonderful as our God is, He has an answer for that too. So the answer is Romans 8.26. It says likewise the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we, for as we ought But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which we cannot be uttered. So who wrote that? That would be Paul. So Paul recognizes and states and put it in writing that he sometimes did not know how to pray. Well, I feel better about myself. (laughs) And I feel a whole lot better about myself because the Holy Spirit comes and he fixes that. He fills in the gap. And He does that because He is hovering. He is working. He is moving. He is active member of the Trinity. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So when you don't know how to pray, here's an easy one. Holy Spirit, thank you for using the words that I don't have. And stop. Just praise Him for who He is and what He's done in our lives. It's amazing. So the Holy Spirit, A, the Holy Spirit empowers. B, the Holy Spirit purifies. Uh, Grudem spent a lot of time talking about this, and i got to say I was quite embarrassed that I didn't really think about this before. But um, when we say the words the Holy Spirit, what's the middle word? Holy. Right? What does holy mean? Set apart. Pure for a specific purpose. The Holy Spirit purifies. Look at Titus 3.5. When His job is to wash and to sanctify and to cleanse, it's not just, oh, I'm going to hover and leave you alone. No, no. No, no. I'm going to hover and make you better. It's a beautiful thing. It's active. It's activity, activity, activity. I have this thing in my... I'm not getting any credit today, am I? Because I took my phone out of my pocket. I usually get about... 800 to 1,000 steps in Sunday school because I just paced back and forth and I wanted to see how many I was going to get today because I have an app on my phone that keeps up with how many steps that I take. Uh, now, Some of you all know that about a year and a half ago, or a little over a year ago, I kicked off an effort to lose some weight and I made a commitment I was only going to use the stairs at work. Well, I had several other things that I had done and I have kind of stopped doing some of those others, but I, I have continued to only use the stairs at work. And, and it got really difficult this week because I moved to the sixth floor. <laughs> I came home Thursday and I said, you know, I think, I, think I walked a lot of stairs today. and looked at my app, 26 floors up. I'm like That's a lot of movement. And yet the reality is it is nothing compared to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Every single hovering and moving and actively working. So in our activity, in our movement, we mimic a glimpse, just a small amount of what the Holy Spirit is actually doing. So, be like the Holy Spirit and get off the couch. Alright. So, Titus 3.5. Who's got Titus 3.5? Not by works of
1: righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit.
0: Through the washing and the what? Regeneration. Regeneration. There's a word you don't use every day, right? So, you wash and you regenerate, or to grow again. And the and the renewing. So lots of re's here. And who does that? Holy the Holy Spirit does that. So He cleanses us. He purifies us. And then Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Surely, can anybody do it without singing? <laughs> Sean, you got it? No? I thought you had it. You're going to have some more coffee? <laughs> Galatians 5, 22 and 23. He's got it. Yep. Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Because Remember we, uh, a week or two ago we talked about Jesus, His resurrection and His ascension being the first fruits. And the fruit that follows after the first piece of fruit off of a tree is the same kind of fruit. This is not a really hard concept to understand. Um, like if you the first piece of fruit off a tree is an apple, then the next piece... It's going to be an apple. Um, and, and this is the fruit that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. It, and it's, I think it's amazing that the fruit that the Holy Spirit has comes through us. That, that, I hadn't figured this out yet. But The Holy Spirit purifies and enables us to grow in holiness. See, the Holy Spirit reveals. The Holy Spirit reveals. And as a teacher, this is... This is one of my favorites here. We're going to get to it in just a second. Uh, obviously, the Holy Spirit revealed to the prophets and the apostles, 2 Peter 1.21. Anybody know this one off the top of their head? You don't know 2 Peter one twenty one? Have you turned to it? You can read it. or don't you read it for me? Yes. <laughs> You're like, that's why I brought the book, right? Yes.
1: For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by Holy
0: Spirit spoke from God. Yeah, which Jim's translation, I didn't come up with this on my own. The Holy Spirit told me what to say. Right. So the Holy Spirit reveals the words that the prophets and the apostles were to specifically say to God's people, and sometimes to not God's people, uh, in order to bring about His His will and His uh, work in the world. Uh, number two, there He gives evidence of God's presence. Uh, John sixteen fourteen. Evidence of God's presence. You got it, Stephen? He will glorify me, for he will take Who's speaking here? Jesus. Jesus is speaking. Who's he speaking about? Yeah. (laughs) Pretty easy answers to my questions today, right? All right. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Yeah. So he's talking to his apostles here, and he's saying, you don't have to worry about remembering everything I say, because a helper is going to come and help you remember this, which is fantastically wonderful if you are at literally your professional job is a student. This is what a disciple was. They were professional students. And the teacher, the master, is telling them, Don't worry about anything. Because somebody's gonna come behind me and give you all the answers. Oh, well that's cool. Well then guess what I get to focus on? I get to focus on the teacher then. I get to focus on the relationship. I don't have to fret and worry about getting all the words right because somebody's going to help me with the words. You see how beautiful this is? This is beautiful. This is un- unbelievably beautiful. I-, I, can't, I can't imagine coming up with this kind of construct. Number three, he guides and directs God's people. Uh, now, we think about guiding and directing God's people as... He influences my life to help me make a decision. Grudem's first examples here were not what I was expecting at all. In, in fact, the first one here was a story that I generally forget about most of the time in the New Testament because it doesn't fit neatly into a little box that I have. Um, um, Stacy, you got that? Acts eight, yeah. When they came the out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away.
1: The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azadus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea.
0: Hmm. That's an interesting work of the Holy Spirit, huh? Mm-hmm. Jerked him up and planted him somewhere else. Physically, like geographically, he was in another location. You're going, huh, well that's an interesting one-off. Not exactly. This happened before. Quite a few times, in fact. First uh, 1 Kings 18.12. Who's got that? First 1 Kings 18.12. I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. <laughs> Who's I, talking here? <laughs> Elijah. Elijah is talking, right? Mm-hmm. To Elisha, right? Yep.
1: I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab he
0: doesn't find you, he will kill me. That <laughs> I your servant have worshiped the Lord name. So so Elisha is saying, or Elijah saying, I don't, you know, I don't know really exactly how this works. Um, I just know I disappear sometimes and I show up in other places. <laughs> and and you've, you know, you've asked for twice what I got, so <laughs> get ready. <laughs> and can you imagine this? You're doing some really cool thing for Jesus and then all of a sudden you're somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> Second Kings 2.16, this isn't in your notes, but it's, this was so prevalent in their lives that when they disappeared, the people that they ministered to would say, well, God probably took him somewhere because that happens all the time.
1: <laughs>
0: like what box do I put? That? I'm, I'm trying to categorize things and organize and teach a lesson and I'm like... I don't know where you put that. Grudem put it, he guides and directs God's people. Yeah, I, I would say he snatches them up and puts them where he wants. So I would use a little more. Uh, so that's kind of the dramatic version of this. The less dramatic version of this is Romans 8.14. So what's Romans 8? that I, just, I can't get over that story. Just jerk you up and drop you somewhere else. And, and there's nothing in the box, right? That's good. All right, that's good. I, I deserve that. That's awesome. <laughs> Romans 8.14. Who's got Romans 8.14? Yeah, you got it. Yes. Awesome.
1: For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of
0: God. Ah, isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. So we know that we're believers because we have the fruit that Dave talked about that's coming out of our lives, and we know we have the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is, we have the evidence that helps give us assurance of what's going on. So this is. Um, I've got it titled less dramatic, but I don't know if that's less dramatic than jerking you up and moving you somewhere. Because I, I need assurance, otherwise I'm going to panic and freak out. Because uh, I can go from zero to 100 on the panic meter pretty quick. And it's nice to know that I'm his. And I don't have to worry about that. Uh, all right, number five. He gives us assurance. He gives us assurance. So two verses later, <clears throat> in Romans eight sixteen, Jay, you still got that?
1: Yeah. Okay. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of
0: God.: Yeah, so how do I know that I'm a child of God?:
1: spirit
0: of Yeah, the Spirit, God told me so. That doesn't sound mysterious or weird at all, does it? <laughs> ah, I love this. <laughs> it's great. See, we, we sometimes we like things to be so uh, sharp, neat little corners and edges, and everything fits together. Uh, Julie and I went to Ikea a couple weeks ago and bought some furniture for Caleb's bedroom. And uh, it, it fit together eventually. Uh, we, it it kind of had to be moved and pushed and uh, we may have <clears throat> exercised some force to get it all to fit together exactly. But we, it finally fit together. And when it was done, everything was nice, neat, straight corners and edges and it was great. But that's not the way the Holy Spirit works. See, something that is constantly active is something. I said it wrong. I was really trying to get through the whole lesson without doing that. Holy Spirit's not an it, Holy Spirit's a person. So don't say it. The Holy Spirit moves and is active and is engaging. And this is one of the reasons why He is very difficult to define cleanly and neatly with sharp edges and clean corners. He is always moving. So if it feels like it's a little fuzzy around the edges, that's okay. Does this make sense? You with me so far? I'm being heretical here, am I? Dave, am all right? Okay. Okay. All right. So he gives us assurance. All right. Number six. This is my favorite. This is my favorite. He teaches and illumines. I-L-L. I know, right? U-M-I-N-E-S. Illumines. What does that mean? He turns the lights on. Yes. He literally turns the lights on for us in understanding the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.12. Who's got it?
1: Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know, that we might know things that have been freely given to us by God.
0: So, So God gives us things and doesn't necessarily... Get a, let us understand them until the Holy Spirit enables us to understand. Goodness. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Think about this for just a second. I'm going to give a gift to somebody, but I'm not going to let them understand the gift unless somebody else comes along and explains the gift to them. So it just begs the question, how much are we actually looking at that we are clueless about? I know that... So, so I'm 39. I got saved when I was 8. So I've been a believer for 31 years. And at least a half a dozen times a week, I'll be reading and studying and going, Huh. Like, where? Really? How many times have I read this? Have you ever... You guys experienced this too? This blows my mind. And that's the Holy Spirit going, Okay. Time to turn that light on. I got to wonder how many lights are there. <laughs> I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. Maybe this is why heaven's so bright. I don't know. Psalm 119:18. This is a beautiful verse because the, every once in a while, probably two or three times a year, somebody will ask me, usually in an email, what's the process that you use to put a Sunday school lesson together. And I've been asked this enough now that I actually have a standard stock copy paste. Here you go. Um, and, and it's kind of a long process. And several of the items in there are basically just different versions of Psalm 119.18. So this is a big chunk of it. So Psalm 119.18. Got it, Dick? Open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things from your law. Yeah, because I'm stupid. Well. <laughs> I'm really, really slow and dense and, and sitting in the dark, looking through a glass darkly. And the Holy Spirit turns a light on and goes, oh. Well, thank you. That's wonderful. Appreciate that. So D, the Holy Spirit unifies. The Holy Spirit unifies. Grudem spends a lot of time talking about how unity takes place in community, which kind of makes sense, right? We like to be individuals. We like to be isolationists. We like to be you leave me alone. But unity can only take place in community. And Acts two sixteen through 18 is the story of what? Peter. What's that? Peter. Peter's preaching, right? Can you read that passage for me? Two sixteen through 18? Oh, I thought you were over there. I'm sorry. You just knew that part, right? 2,
1: 16. Yep. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. God will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to a darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.
0: So the Spirit is what? Poured out. out. And then a collection takes place. (laughs) Not like the collection that we take up in church on Sunday morning. A gathering, a collection takes place. There's going to be unity that is associated with this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 You'll notice the verses here in a goofy order, but Grudem, he spends like a page and a half outlining these, and it works in this order. So, 1 Corinthians 12. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you," or, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you." So, Paul talks about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives... To the church as members of a body. there's one body, right? So I'm going to ask you it's a semi-trick question. Is Stuart Heights a body of Christ? What's the answer? We're part, of the body. We're part of the body. yes. We are not the body of Christ, or a body of Christ. There is one body of Christ. Whenever you you see the, again, I I can't believe I documented this, but I wrote this into the church constitution and bylaws, that we, being a body of Christ, I was like, no, that's wrong. It's really bad. And I wrote it down. And I stood up in front of people and I read it. It aggravates me. We're going to fix it, though, so don't worry. (laughs) This is one of the beautiful, I, I love the fact that the Bible was right the first time. It didn't have to go back and be fixed. It wasn't like, oh, we've got to go fix that and adjust that. Ooh, Can you imagine what we would end up with? Du-ray-Rames is what we would end up with. Uh, you got that, didn't you, Stephen? All right, so 1 Corinthians 12, 21. So Paul is talking about giving the, the Holy Spirit giving the gifts of the Spirit and these different parts of the body. And, and we think sometimes that having different types of people and different gifts in the church is problematic. And the reality is... You need a lot of types of people and a lot of gifts to make the whole body work. Does this make sense? All right, so verse 11. What's verse 11? You got it there, Tim? Yeah. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Yeah, so if I say that Stuart Heights is a body of Christ, then I need a spirit to minister to our body of Christ. We have one body. It's Jesus, the body of Christ, all the church, collective and one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Numbers are important in the Bible. Uh, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, um, so everybody gets a spiritual gift. Yes. This is awesome. For who's good? Yeah. The group's good, not for my good. So if it's for the group's good... How many people do we need using their spiritual gifts? All of us, right? Yeah, because it's for the group's good. So if you're not using your spiritual gift, I'm missing out. So I'm going to be selfish and say, get with the program, (laughs) please. I don't want to miss out. I really don't. And then verse 13.
1: For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made drink of one spirit. Yes.
0: How many spirits are we talking about? Yeah, did that come up a few times in 1 Corinthians 12? Yes, one Spirit. The unity of the Holy Spirit. We were all made to do this. All right, so I'm going to skip the next couple of uh, verses uh, and go to the next blank. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Can be grieved. So this is the Holy Spirit, section E. The Holy Spirit gives stronger... or This is the one I'm kind of... I don't know that I like His wording on this. The Holy Spirit gives stronger or weaker evidence of the presence and blessing of God according to our response to Him. Soak on that one for a minute. So Grudem goes through and he talks about uh, a holy life like Jesus Christ, where the Spirit of God descended like a dove and landed on Him and filled Him and led Him and did these things with Him His entire life. Right? You remember these verses that talk about this? Jesus was filled with the Spirit and He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, The dove lights on Him. This is the visible manifestation of God's approval. Uh, and then he talks about, like in Judges 16, where Samson had the Holy Spirit come on him and then leave, and then come on him and then leave, and empower him to do some great work and then leave. And then Samson displeased God, and the Holy Spirit left, and he didn't know that he'd left. Do you remember this? Yeah? And then we kind of go to the next level of 1 Thessalonians 5.19. So the Holy Spirit can be grieved which 1 Thessalonians 5.19 just basically says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So if there's a command that says don't do it, it feels like it can be done. Otherwise, it feels like we're wasting our time saying don't do that. because It can be done. All right. So we'll go one step above that to Matthew 12:31 and 32. So we've got Matthew 12, 31, and 32. again? Okay. So this is Jesus speaking, and he's saying there's this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that's not going to be forgiven, which is a big deal because this is really about the only thing in the Bible that says you're not going to be forgiven for this. Um, here's Grudem's comments on this. These statements are made in a context in which the Pharisees, here's your next blank, willfully and maliciously attributed to Satan you blank, Satan, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit that was evident in the ministry of Jesus. So these people who were physically looking at Jesus says, you're doing this by the works of the devil. So they took the works of God that were clearly the works of God, and they said, this is the work of the devil to Jesus' face. It's the only time this is mentioned this way. Now, Grudem talks about that there is a, a turning over, a, a hardening of the heart, a, a backing away of the Holy Spirit so that there is no more conviction of sin after this point. Does this make sense? Because if there's no, if there's no uh, forgiveness available, there would be no conviction of sin. So I was listening to him teach this in his Sunday school class. He's got a Sunday school class. Can you imagine that? It's just cool. <laughs> Um, I was listening to him teach this in his Sunday school class. He said, Now, some of you come up to me sometimes and you say, I feel like I'm concerned that I have blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. And he said, My immediate response is, No, you haven't, because you're convicted about it. So quit worrying about that. You, you couldn't have, because the Holy Spirit's still working in your life. So that's, you're, you're okay. And Gary, our pastor here at Stuart Heights, actually believes, and I, I think he's onto something here, uh, he believes that the The only time you could have done this was visibly face-to-face to to Jesus Christ to attribute to Jesus Christ the works of the devil. So lower your anxiety level about this. Jesus has got us. Okay? Jesus has got us. All right, let's keep moving very quickly. Um, When in the life of Christians whose conduct is pleasing to God, the Holy Spirit is present to bring great blessings. So 1 Peter 4.14. Who's got that one? 1 Peter (coughs) 4.14. Or not. Dave? Uh, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory uh, and of God rests upon you. Yeah. So if somebody says to you, you're not right because of the way you stand for Jesus Christ, you're blessed. Because the Spirit is actively working, is hovering, is engaging in our lives at that point. So here's Grudem's last blank. It's important that all our ministry be done in the Holy Spirit. All of it. Every single bit. And the beautiful thing is Ephesians 5.18 is that we can be filled with the Spirit of God to do the work that He has called us to do. Changes everything. The fundamental difference for me... In the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints is the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit of God in the Old Testament would come and, and engage, and come and engage, and then leave, and then come and engage, and then leave. And in the New Testament, He comes, and He stays, and He never leaves. When we are snatched away or when we die, we will be in the presence of the Lord. We will always be with God from here on out. There will never be a moment of our lives where God is not with us. And this is a beautiful story. So, that's the end of the doctrine of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now, I I really wasn't joking. There's a link at the bottom of your handout. If you go there, you can look at the teacher notes for this, which themselves are just a small snippet of the overall chapter that Grudem wrote. But there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of additional verses that talk about these things. So, I'd encourage you to go. Look these up. Most of us have some extra time this next week. Um, but uh, now it is time to do our prayer requests. So if you look at the page in the middle of your, pa- in the middle of your table, the weekly update, uh, lean in, engage, pray over those uh, requests as a group. Make sure your name is on that page somewhere. And uh, you're dismissed after you pray. Thanks for coming to Sunday School. <laughs>